Hi guys, I'm so excited to be doing this podcast with Savannah. Um, so we're doing like a podcast swap. So you can listen to this podcast on mine as well as on Savannah's. So um, you can listen to this twice or you can just listen to all the ep- other episodes that we have. I'm so excited to be doing this with you because I feel like so many people hear myths all the time and we have some really good ones that I'm excited to go through because as you know too, these are questions that you're constantly asking um, or constantly going through with your clients and just family and friends. So um, why don't we start off by just introducing ourselves? It can be something like quick and short, um, just so people who are on your podcast get to know me and my podcast listeners get to know you. So um, I'll go first. So my name is Jas, and I'm a holistic nutritionist and community herbalist. Um, and I help women beat their bloat and get to the root cause of their indigestion. So a lot of the work that we do together is through candida or parasite cleanses, liver detoxes, and gut healing. And I also own a tea company called Leaves, um, which we just relaunched. So if you haven't already, you have to check it out. Um, and you can find me on my podcast at The Nourished Podcast. And yeah, if you want to go and introduce yourself as well, Savannah. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you or to be doing like a dual episode. We've been talking about it for so long now. I know. We're so excited. We have really great myths, like you mentioned, amazing. Um, But I'm Savannah. I'm a functional nutritionist and a doctoral candidate as well as a certified herbalist. I currently specialize more in like weight loss and metabolism and just overall like a healthy diet. Um, I have Hashimoto's and hypothyroid, so weight loss and my metabolism was something I've struggled with for the last 10 years since I was 12 years old. So it really remains like a constant in my life to make sure that I'm keeping myself healthy and then also has just become a passion for me to spread it with other people. So yeah. I love that. I'm so inspired by everything you do. Like I just feel... I feel like everything you do works so well in your practice. And I also, I've never met someone who has as many credentials as you do. It's so incredible. And you're so inspired by everything you do, um, which is super amazing to see. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And for anybody on my episode, for my podcast that hasn't tried Jass's tea out yet, you should totally go get it. I just got mine in yesterday and I've tried the detox one. And then I have the skin in the fridge that I'm going to do after this episode. I'm so excited to try it. But the detox one is amazing. I love it. Thank you so (laughs) much. That's so sweet. Yeah. I love them. Um, They're so good. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, thank you. I, um, yeah, let me know what you think of like the teas once you've had them for a little bit too. Um, we, I also, I just realized this too. We have to do like a, an herbal, episode where we just talk about herbs because I feel like you and I could go on and on about this um so that would be really fun if you guys want that let us know (laughs) yes let us know I would love to do that (laughs) amazing okay so why don't we just get into the episode so basically um both of us have five myths that we'll kind of just like go back and forth on and talk about um so Savannah do you want to start and ask like Um, or go through like a myth and then I'll answer like my thoughts on it. Yeah. So we'll start with our first myth being natural skincare. So a lot of people believe that if you're really focusing on health, you really have to only use natural skincare, which, you know, if you have a lot of acne or just skin problems overall, can you use a pharmaceutical grade skincare and still 
achieve the goals that you want without harming your health. I feel like this is something that I see so often in the holistic world is that a lot of nutritionists or practitioners will always just only recommend natural skincare, especially if someone's going through like, for example, example, perioral dermatitis, which is what I've struggled with, um, eczema, psoriasis, acne, and will only recommend clean, like green uh, skincare products. Those are amazing, but I do really think that those serve a much higher and better purpose for those who have their skin under control because sometimes you actually need those pharmaceutical grade Um, ingredients. And also as being a natural skincare company, there's a lot of things that you can and can't do. And so, you know, sometimes food isn't enough. Sometimes herbs aren't enough. We need a pharmaceutical grade ingredient to support the skin and actually like work really deeply into um, the skin barrier to show those effects and all the imbalances that are happening. So yeah, like even for myself, like I, I will say I only use natural skincare products. I'm not opposed to using ones that aren't natural just because I know there's so many benefits to them, but it's so important. Like I think as nutritionists to at least not just like ride off like pharmaceutical grade skincare because it's expensive and it works for a reason. And there's just been so many incredible like stories from it. So yeah. What do you think? Um, I agree with you. I think natural skincare has its benefits and like I use a natural skincare, but I also get like a hydrofacial done, which is a pharmaceutical grade, you know, skincare. I get it done like every three months or something. And it how just do you helps. Like it? I'm sorry. How Sorry, I uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, but how do you no. like doing the hydrofacials? I really enjoy them. Um, the first one I got was in December and my skin, like my skin has never been so good for like the first, the three months. And then I went through a bit more stress and then I had another one done and I broke out after that one, which was weird. I don't know what happened, but now my skin is like perfect. I basically have no breakouts anymore. Like um, I suffered with acne along my cheekbone, Mm -hmm. like cystic acne for such a long time that it would stay. And then I would have scarring and that's like pretty much gone because I've been doing the facials. That's amazing. That's so cool to, I've only done like, um, acupuncture facials and that kind of thing which has been so like unreal like really has helped um with like redness and inflammation um but I've never done a hydrofacial I definitely should look into it though I've never done an acupuncture one it's it's so fascinating like it's really cool to see all like the points that they use and like how it interlaces with your organs and the liver and it's really cool yeah that's so neat. I'm going to look into that too. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So next, I think, yeah, I think we like kind of covered that one really well. Um, okay. Next myth is, okay, this one is, I feel like can speak to every single human on the planet because I feel like we've heard this for, at least I have ever since childhood and it's still at this place where it's just like such a myth. Um, So calories in and calories out is the only way to lose weight. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like you're the perfect person to ask. I think there, I do believe there's benefit in a calories in calories out method, especially if you're somebody that struggles with like overeating. It helps us pinpoint like whether or not you're eating too much, you're not eating enough, um, your nutrients and stuff, but it's not the only way to lose weight. And especially if you're somebody that struggles with 
a metabolic disorder like an autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's, your body doesn't work the same way as it's calculated to in just like a macronutrient calculator. So like for me, it would say I could eat 2,500 calories and still lose weight or gain weight, whichever way it would go. But because I have a thyroid condition, I'd actually gain weight even eating 2,000 calories because it's just not, your body doesn't operate in the same way because it's metabolically altered, if that makes sense. And then also just like, it's not always accurate to count calories because our bodies, if your digestion's off, you digest calories differently. And like, there's studies that say that if you consume um, 28 grams of almonds that are whole almonds, you only digest 123 calories of it. So you're actually tracking like 60 calories that you actually aren't eating. Wow. Um, but if you eat like almond butter, the same 28 grams of almond butter, you're digesting all 180 or so calories of the almond butter because your body doesn't have to work to digest it. That's so interesting. It's really a complicated science, but it's so interesting. (laughs) So I do believe there's like benefit in counting calories, but it's definitely not the only way for you to lose weight. Just eating a high quality diet of fruits, vegetables, lean protein, and then your good quality carbohydrates and fats. You can definitely lose weight that way without counting the calories and then developing like an unhealthy relationship with food through that. Yeah, that's that's like so well put. And it's so interesting because I feel like there's so much um, poor data out there that says otherwise, but it's so true. Like everything comes down to the individual. It's not just about like this simple calories in, calories out method. If that was the case, like weight loss would be so simple. Like, but there's so many different things that come into play with that. So yeah, I love that. Thanks for clarifying that because I think that's like really important for so many people. Yeah, I agree. It's so important. So moving on to our second myth of yours that I see, I think we see so often, and I even like was going to make a post about this yesterday, but bloating is normal. What are your thoughts? It's so common. It's crazy how often like we see this. And I think like a few years ago, it was so common in the fitness industry to like post side-by-side photos of you being bloated and you not being bloated and just saying like bloating is normal. Everyone gets bloated. Even if you work out five times a week, eat really healthy, you're still going to get bloated by the end of the day. But I do really want to stress that when something is common, it doesn't mean that it's normal. And I think that we often get to this place where we almost feel comfort in knowing that like if someone says it's normal, then like it's fine I don't have to worry about anything especially if it's coming from someone who you are really inspired by a fitness influencer who looks amazing who has the lifestyle the body the everything that you want it's easy to get sucked into that and being like okay great if bloating's normal I don't have to worry about that I'm just going to continue working out eating 100 calorie packs eating aspartame like all that stuff Um, and I think it's like crucial that we get to know our bodies and get to know where the bloat is coming from and why we're getting bloated because it's not as simple as it sounds. Um, Just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal. And bloat is one of those things where all of us deal with it. But if you're dealing with it more than twice a week, um, it's something that you want to look into. Yeah, I totally agree. If you're, I feel like if you're dealing with it at all, even just like during your normal diet, you should really look into it. Like I, yesterday, the day before yesterday, we went to the cheesecake factory for my sister's boyfriend's birthday. 
and I ate a burger and my cheesecake. And that's a lot of food, <laughs> but I wasn't bloated at all. And that's that's like not – most people you would talk to are like, yeah, I'm so bloated after eating that. And I was like amazed that I wasn't just because it's a lot of food and a lot of sugar yeah. and like a lot of food I don't usually eat. But like people would say it's so common and, or so yeah. normal to have bloating after that meal, but it's really – it shouldn't be because your body should have the ability to digest that food, utilize it, and then, you know, get rid of it in a way that doesn't inflame your body if you're not eating it every single day. Exactly. And if you are struggling with bloat, especially when you go out for having bigger meals or whatever it may be, just make sure you're taking, like at the end of the day, it comes down to low stomach acid. And for a lot of people who suffer with bloat, they're dealing with low stomach acid. If you haven't looked already on my page, Nourish with Jazz, I have a test on how to do a low stomach acid test with baking soda and water. It's a really simple test that you can take. Just make sure you don't take supplements. If you're on medication, it's a little bit more difficult to do, but it shows you kind of where your stomach acid levels may lie. And most of the time it's low stomach acid. So you need to work on increasing digestive enzymes and bitters are a really great way to increase your stomach acid. So if you're going out like Savannah said, and you are going to have a burger and cheesecake and you usually get bloated, take the bitters with you. Um, They're going to make such a difference, but more than that, focus on increasing stomach acid levels every day because you want to be at that medium range. Yeah, I agree. Bitters are amazing. And then I also use uh, digestive enzymes sometimes from Digest Gold that I love and they've been so helpful. That's amazing. I'm actually, I'm going to Europe and I just wrote on my list of things. I was like, do not forget digestive enzymes because they make such a difference when you're traveling. Bitters are just a bit harder to take, especially like, cause we're going to Europe. And so it's like, there's different, um, I'm taking other like tinctures with me and stuff. And I don't want to over like compensate how much I'm taking. So I'm doing enzymes are so much easier in like a travel perspective, but they make such a difference when you travel. Like they, they just like support your digestive system. If you ever come into contact with bacteria or fungus or parasites, it's really good for, you know, mitigating that from happening, but also just with bloat and, um, like healthy bowel movements and all that stuff too. Yeah, I agree. I love, I love digestive enzymes and bitters and like all of those things are my favorite I know I feel like we could talk about it forever um okay my next question or my next myth for you leaky gut is only treatable with antibiotics um what are your thoughts there I think there are definitely ways we can treat leaky gut um without antibiotics if you don't know what leaky gut is it's intestinal impermeability which means that there are things that you're eating foreign like toxins, things like that, that are coming into your digestive system that are then leaking out into the bloodstream um, or outside of the GI tract. Either way, it kind of, it just leaks outside of the body of where it needs to be. And so you have leaky gut and that leads to bloating and that leads to inflammation in the body. It leads to um, like heavy metal exposure and things like that. And a lot of people think if you have leaky gut, you have to treat it with antibiotics because it's, they think it's a, like an overgrowth of bad bacteria in the gut when really it's the lack of tight junctions in your intestine, which means that you just have these holes in your intestine that um, that are just kind of like open, that are just not functioning properly. Kind of like if you have braces, you have gaps in your teeth and then you get braces to close that. That's what we would do with leaky gut. So we would take like L-glutamine and digestive bitters and 
Um, I've seen, I, I've used colostrum in the past for leaky mm-hmm. gut. I recently found out, interestingly enough, people may find this interesting, that most colostrum is come, comes from bovine cows. And oh. the cows are vaccinated with the flu vaccine. And then in the colostrum is the flu antibody. So it's oh. marketed as an immune supplement because it has the flu antibodies in it. But we don't know that. Nobody knows that it has the flu antibody in it. So if you didn't know that, you do now. I was like, I was all for using colostrum for leaky gut until I figured out it had the vaccine in it. And that can cause more leaky gut in most cases. (laughs) What? Oh my gosh. That's just, I'm mind blown. I've never, I did not know that. I didn't either. Oh my God. I'm like, right after this, I'm just going right into PubMed and doing research. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really really sad. Like how, uh, that's frustrating. Yeah. And it's not like, I don't want to come across as like anti-vaccine or anti like anything like that. But I think it's important to have like informed informed consent, especially when you're trying to heal leaky gut and things like this, that, you know, what they might be putting out there into the studies that this is really beneficial for leaky gut. It may be really beneficial, but it may also not be helping the problem. Absolutely. I think it's, that's the thing. It's like, um, there are so many modalities that we use for healing, but I think knowing what you're putting into your body is so important. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels really difficult to do that when we're not sure of like where all these things are coming from. Um, because with colostrum, knowing how supportive and how nutritive it's like one of the most nutritive, um, substances that we can have, um, to hear this is kind of like, upsetting but um, I know yeah wow (laughs) um so yeah but also you saying that like I don't know what you would call it but how you were saying the um thing about the braces is so interesting I've never actually like put those two together that's such a great way of like explaining it to clients and to people who don't really understand leaky gut and how we repair it I love I love that you brought (laughs) up that example it literally was just talking about it, trying to say, like, how do I make it make more sense? And I was like, oh, like braces. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I love that. Um, so you you recommend not using antibiotics um, and going right. the holistic route, which I obviously agree with as well, because I feel like in today's society, we rely on antibiotics way too much. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it makes our bodies less tolerable to honestly everything and anything around it I think we need to like take that extra time to heal our guts like yeah it's going to take you two months or so to heal leaky gut um but it could take you three days to do it with antibiotics however it's going to make it so much worse in the long run like most people have these um issues because of like antibiotic resistance so I think it's better for us to try it holistically. Yeah. And in some cases, leaky gut is caused by antibiotics. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know there needs to be so much more education around this. Mm -hmm. I agree. So moving on to our third myth. Um, So we hear a lot about IBS and how IBS is just like something that's not treatable. There's no way you could ever get over it. Um, So what are your thoughts on that? I think that, again, there has to be so much more education on IBS and what it is. IBS, when you when you go to the doctors and they tell you, okay, well, um, it looks like you have IBS, a lot of us just take that and are like, 
great. Like now I have to live with this. Now I'm always going to have irritable bowel syndrome. I'm always going to have to run to the bathroom or not go to the bathroom for weeks on end. And I think that in so many cases, it's like this victim mentality approach where we're like, okay, we have IBS. I can't do anything about it. So there's that. But IBS is actually a symptom to a greater root cause. That greater root cause can be something like parasites, leaky gut, candida on top of parasites, hormonal imbalances. There's so trauma. There's so many things that can actually be leading to the leaky gut or sorry, to the IBS. We just have to dig deeper. And to this day, I have not had one client who hasn't been able to get over IBS after healing their gut. It's not something that you have to live with. It's not something that you have to take a medication for. It is so treatable if you give yourself the time. Um, and I think it also is a great like way for us to say, if a doctor tells you it's IBS, try to get more information because saying that it's IBS isn't enough. Um, I think our doctors are amazing and so needed and so incredible and knowledgeable. Um, but at the same time, we have to do our own research on everything that we get back because with IBS, there's so many things that we can't actually do. And it's just about putting the effort in to resolve it. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I feel like the diagnosis diagnosis of IBS is like just thrown around nowadays. Like you have a problem, like you have constipation, you have IBS, you have like just cramping, you have IBS. Yes. And like, I think it's important we're recognizing these symptoms as a problem now, instead of like just saying, oh, you just have like a problem. We don't know what it is. But I think the diagnosis of IBS is like, they, some doctors make it seem like it's like life like life altering. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be treated like it's very simply treated with diet and, you know, like, like you said, like gut healing and you can use like a lot of herbs to help heal it and food. And then also like allergy testing is something else that a lot of people can do for IBS is because it could be caused by like, um, like pollen allergy is a common thing that people have with IBS. So it's all interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's such a good point with the allergies. You're so right. Like there's so many things that you can do to test to see where IBS is coming from, but it's absolutely treatable. And something that I wanted to actually mention as you were saying this, um, this super interesting too, because with IBS, um, a lot of people who experience IBS, it usually happens after a traumatic incident. So it could be a traumatic incident as in like moving across the country that is still considered trauma to the body. Um, uh, a divorce, a, a breakup, um, losing someone important to you. Oftentimes IBS happens during that time. And it's because IBS in so many ways, it's considered a digestive disorder But a lot of the time, a lot of natural practitioners also call it a nervous system disorder. So it's super cool to see that there's so many different things that support it. And think about like for those who have IBS-D, which is IBS um, predominantly diarrhea, usually they're the ones running to the bathroom when something stressful happens. And it's because your nervous system is acting up um, and showing that urgency. So yeah, but yeah. Long story short, it's treatable. It is definitely treatable. So, okay, next um, myth is that, oh, this is such a good one. Sugar from fruit is the same as table sugar. Yeah, so I'm a strong believer in that 
you really can't overeat fruit sugar. There's just like a fruit is naturally occurring and it's something that we've been eating for thousands and thousands of years and your body's not going to reject it and treat it like table sugar. But table sugar is also genetically modified. It's refined. It's got added nutrients. It's got, it's not even nutrients. It's got synthetic nutrients added into it that are inflammatory to our body. But table sugar reacts in the body as a foreign kind of like a toxin because it's not it's not real sugar it's not like pure it's just got lots and lots of you know fructose in it and then fructose leads to high amounts of fructose consumption leads to the inability of the body to digest it properly and it reacts differently to it so uh, fruit sugar is totally different than table sugar and like you know adding even like maple syrup and honey are totally different than um you know sugar table sugar and I think a lot of people don't realize that maple syrup and honey are like totally fine to have as your sugar alternative, but consuming fruit isn't going to cause you any harm. It's not going to like lead to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or fatty liver disease. There's been like a lot of information put out there lately where I see people saying like table sugar and artificial sugar should be used in place of fruit. And I, I think that's crazy. That's crazy. I know. And it's just ridiculous because you know, we see like what artificial sweeteners are doing to people nowadays, but then you also see what the amount of sugar we've been consuming for the last 20 years has done to people. And it's just crazy. And the amount of fruit that we don't eat nowadays shows that it's not the fruit because we were eating it, you know, 40 years ago, people were eating a lot of fruit and now we're eating lots of sugar. And now we have more disease than we did when we were just eating like whole foods. Yeah. And you think of like when some when people are trying to cut down on sugar they're often like okay i'm not gonna have bananas anymore i'm not gonna have mangoes anymore but it rarely happens that they cut down on artificial or table sugar um because it's just everywhere it's so hard Mm -hmm. and it's an addiction like cutting sugar out of your body and out of your diet is just as hard as getting over like a nicotine addiction. It's so difficult, but I think the best way to do it is to start eating more fruit and reducing the amount of packaged things you buy because even something as small as ketchup, ketchup has so much sugar in it. I buy um, Primal Kitchens, organic um, ketchup. I love it. I think it's it tastes so good. Now that when I have regular ketchup, like I can really taste it's it's just like Skittles. Like it's so, so sweet. Um, but I do think like obviously you don't have to go crazy and obviously we're not trying to say like what you should and shouldn't do. But I do really think if you do have a sugar addiction, try adding in more fruit and reducing the types of um, like packaged goods that you're buying and then increase bitter foods hydrate have more fiber more protein like there's so many things that we can do to just flip um the switch on that yeah and i think what you brought up was like people emitting sugar from their diet and then cutting out like bananas and things bananas are you know a totally different sugar than table sugar because the bananas have fiber and they have prebiotics and they have the natural sugar in them that just naturally produce And all of those react totally differently in your body, like the sugar with the prebiotic and the fiber. It doesn't result in like a big blood sugar spike. It doesn't result in the insulin and the glucose being released rapidly. And it doesn't like contribute to fatty liver buildup or anything like that. But people think like bananas are the biggest cause of their Mm -hmm. sugar intake. But really like bananas are so beneficial for the gut and like even to help digest like 
you know, normal, like table sugar bananas are so helpful with that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just kind of like an easy way out to be like, oh, I'll reduce fruit, um, but I'll just pretend I didn't have whatever I had on the weekend. But yeah, yeah. but no, that's great. Thank you for explaining that because that's so like a really big myth that I think is out there. Yeah. And then also I used the ketchup. Speaking of ketchup, I used the brand Sir Kensington's ketchup. Oh, I haven't heard of it. It's really good. It's made yeah. with it's made with um bell peppers and tomatoes. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. that's so interesting. I wonder if you can get it in Canada. I'm sure you can. Yeah. Um online know. and everything. I'm gonna look yeah. into it. That's it's amazing. It's really good. And it's okay. cheaper than the primal kitchen. Okay, good. Cause yeah, that one is pretty pricey. Yeah. <laughs> For ketchup. I love it though. <laughs> so good. Okay. And then moving on to our Um, One of our other myths is apple cider vinegar is good for everyone. I see this everywhere. Yeah, I think you have to be really careful like when you're having apple cider vinegar because one, it's clearly so acidic to the body on like an external level. Like um, when you – so apple cider vinegar is – so complex in the sense that it's acidic on the external body. So if you put it on your skin, it's going to burn or you're going to feel it. Whereas when you're drinking apple cider vinegar in the in the body, it's going to become alkalizing. And I think that's like really great for so many people. But if you are doing apple cider vinegar shots um, or adding apple cider vinegar into your drinks, just be mindful. You, If you have high stomach acid level, so if you get heartburn all the time, um, low stomach acid can also be an issue to heartburn. Um, but if you have high stomach acid levels, apple cider vinegar is going to make it so much worse. So you just want to be mindful as to where you are at with your stomach acid levels before you take on a trend like apple cider vinegar. Is there a way to test for high stomach acid? Yeah. So you can do the low stomach acid test. And essentially if you, I think it's if you burp within, so basically the way that this test works is you mix baking soda with water and um it tells you exactly how much i think it's 250 milliliters eight ounces you'll mix it and then drink it and you basically time yourself and see how long it takes for you to burp so if it's from zero to 30 seconds it can be high stomach acid if it's two minutes and over that'll be that'll indicate low stomach acid so if you're someone who burps right away do it for three to five days see where your results lie. And if you do have high stomach acid levels, and also if you do have high stomach acid levels, it's very obvious, like you'll know, um, don't have apple cider vinegar because it's going to really like irritate your body and it can be harmful. So I just say with apple cider vinegar, like start really slow, make sure that you're diluting it well enough. So like if you're having a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar, have at least like double the amount of water because one, it's really hard on your enamel and two, it like no one should ever be drinking apple cider vinegar on its own. It has to be mixed with water or juice. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really put out there to be used as like this like health supplement and it's just yeah. and it really is but it's not taught how to use it properly and to make sure you're not like harming yourself because like you said it's very yeah. acidic yes. but a lot of people don't dilute it a lot of people <laughs> don't dilute just it charm. exactly and it's also like I will say this too which I feel like um everyone who's on my podcast knows this but apple cider vinegar gummies as well um it that's like a whole other craze apple cider vinegar capsules you need that acidity when you're 
it's just like bitters. Bitters are bitters stimulate digestion because of the flavor and the taste in your mouth. And it's the exact same thing with apple cider vinegar. You can't mimic that in a gummy and you can't mimic that in a capsule. I think both a capsule and a gummy aren't worth it because you actually need to drink it in order to get that same like um, salivation and digestive um, response. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so just be mindful with apple cider vinegar. Just be careful with all these myths. And I was just thinking like maybe – or trends, but you, you and I should do this more often. Like we should just like maybe even like monthly have like a myth kind of um, yeah. podcast because I think it's like really cool to like learn from. Um, and it just like allows you to have more confidence in health mm-hmm. because it's so complex. Especially if we could like – really note like the trends of the month like of June's yes. trends and then do an episode on it and like really clear the air on them let's do it okay yes. so next one is okay amazing next one is acne is normal and should happen what do you think so I think acne there's a lot of different levels behind acne and like why you're having it acne on a hormonal level isn't normal acne on like any level really isn't normal unless you're just like not taking care of your skin, then it's going to happen. If you're taking care of your skin and you're like investing in like high grade skincare, like we were talking about, and it's just still not going away for you, it's likely that you have a problem and it's just not normal to have acne. I see it a lot in the fitness space that people are like, oh yeah, I have acne. It's not because you have acne naturally. It's because you're eating you know, like protein powder filled with a lot of fillers, you're eating a lot of sugar, you're eating a lot of processed foods that contributes to the acne because your body's not properly like detoxifying the toxins it needs because you're eating so much of them that it's just ending up on your skin because it's getting rid of them, but it's having a hard time. Your your body's having a hard time figuring out like where to put the toxin. So it puts it on your skin and then you get acne from it. Or I also, from my classes in the last term, we, we, um, learned that acne is one of the number one signs of metabolic dysfunction later in life. So like high cholesterol, high lipids, high um, waist circumference. So like if you have acne when you're 13 or 14, you're more likely to have some form of metabolic disease later in life because it means that you're not eating well and your body's not working properly. And then therefore, you know, later in life, it contributes to the same thing, which is really interesting just that we can tell that you're going to have likely have a metabolic problem that early in life just because of acne and then also hormonal acne is not normal (laughs) like I feel like that's also is like people like people say that they just have bad hormonal acne whenever they get their period or the week before and that's just not normal to have such like a big hormone fluctuation that it's causing acne it's likely that you have some kind of imbalance going on there yeah. And, um, people always say this to, um, practitioners and doctors will say this too. Um, like what's going on in your skin is such mm-hmm. a clear image of what's going on internally. So if you're struggling with eczema or psoriasis or acne or hormo- hormonal acne, there is support that needs to happen in the body. Yeah, that's so true. There is support that needs to happen. And like, you know, like with the detoxification process, if you're having a hard time methylating, which is detoxifying, you know, your body's not working properly and something's not going on and you need to be supporting that or working with like a functional practitioner to help support your pathways or like eating a better diet, something along those lines of helping like support your body in that process rather than like jumping to a pharmaceutical medication. 
Yeah, for sure. And making it worse potentially. Yeah. And again, like I know like you and I aren't trying to say like don't go to medication or anything like that, but just do your research before you say yes to something that's going into your body. Yes. And there's definitely benefit in conventional medicine and pharmaceuticals and stuff, but I think using them as a complementary therapy with alternative therapies are it's so beneficial and using alternative therapies first and then going to conventional if you really need to, I think that's a good option. But yeah, we're definitely not against, you know, doctors and things like that. Mm-hmm. I I like my doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a nice having like establishing a nice balance. I think is the best thing you can do for your body. Yeah, and then moving on to our next myth. So you specialize a lot in candida. I see a lot that people believe that candida is a myth. What are your thoughts? I think that a lot of people think that candida is a myth because the pharmaceuticals that we use to get rid of candida is a huge population and it it gives like it supports a lot of the government because of like the funding and the money that goes into that and i've actually been hearing a lot of people on podcasts start talking about candida and it makes me really happy because i think it's somewhat super super slowly becoming a bit more mainstream now, when you talk to someone and you say, um, like when I say that I've done a candida cleanse or I specialize in candida, a lot of people will actually say like, oh, I've heard of that, or I, I think I know what that is, or I think I have it, which I think is so great. Like, I'm so, so happy that it's starting to become something that we hear more about. But then again, there are so many people who don't believe in it. When I was going through this, my worst skin issues, um, I asked my doctor if he thought that what I was going through could have been candida. And he looked at me and he's like, this is the issue with um, people who are in the health and holistic industry. Like they think candida is real. And I remember like just being so sad about that in that moment, because I was like, we need to find a way to incorporate the two of these, like um, alternative medicine as well as pharmaceutical. And so I think that when people think that candida is a myth, there's just a lot of education that needs to happen. And I understand that it is so complex. There's so much that goes into it, but just seeing how many more women deal with it really makes it so obvious that we need to continue talking more about it and getting more women to understand it. Because if you understand candida, if you know how to heal it, if you know what to do, I have a program about all of this as well then you don't have to suffer with brain fog, yeast infections, UTIs, um, all of that, oral thrush, whatever it may be, weight gain, you can get to the root cause of it and start living your life. Yeah, I totally agree. I I feel like everybody is starting to talk more about candida now, which is great. Yeah. And back to your comment about like the pharmaceuticals we use to cure candida actually can cause candida. There's a lot of like, you know, like our tap water can cause candida because it's not it's not like you think it is the nutrients are taken out of it and it's not always like as filtered as you think or the pipes that run the pipes that your water run through is not properly cleaned or anything like that so unfortunately the result is candida oh my god the result is (laughs) candida or parasites and same thing with parasites i feel like people don't believe parasites are real but like i just i don't know how they aren't because you can see them like in pork and salmon and stuff, they carry parasites naturally. And then naturally we're just going to get them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And as long as you're buying quality and really watching what you're eating, making sure you have normal stomach acid levels, you should be fine. Um, But you're right. Like it's, it's very, I I mean, everyone who goes away and gets sick, it's usually because of a traveler's um, parasite, which I think is really good to be mindful of. So when you are traveling, make sure you're taking a traveler's probiotic, make sure you're taking digestive enzymes with you. If you are traveling somewhere, make sure you have like a Santivia stick or um, a Berkey stick so that it can filter your water for you. Even like for me right now, I'm, um, planning for my trip and I'm like writing down things that I have to bring. So one of them is a probiotic. I really like HMF's travel probiotic enzymes. Yes. And the stick, but I'm actually thinking of not even bringing it because we're just going to probably be buying glass, like water and glass. Um, because for the most part in Europe, like they don't give tap water because they know it, the harm that it could potentially provide. Um, so yeah, but I, I like, again, again, like we don't say this to stress anyone out, to stress anyone out. Like we're not trying to like make you feel nervous about this stuff, but you have to be aware of it. And um, the more aware of it you are, the more cautious you'll be about this yeah. kind of stuff. And I feel like unfortunately, it's just the world we live in nowadays is yeah. like you have to be educated on this stuff. I didn't know Europe didn't give out tap water. Yeah, at least like everywhere I've been and I feel like I've traveled Europe pretty well. Um, They So like if you go to a restaurant, you have to pay for the water and it always comes out of like the bottle. Um, And yeah, like you shouldn't drink the tap water there. So even like whenever I travel there, I usually don't even bring my own water bottle because I know I'm going to be paying for like plastic or – what's it called glass bottles and they have a great system of like recycling and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's interesting. I want to take a month and go to Europe and just like go. I know. I just, I love the European culture is like all I like want in life. Like it's just, it's so beautiful. And I love how they really take their time to like relax. And when I was in Europe last summer, seeing my family, everyone was like, oh yeah, I heard like Canadians, all you guys do is like work. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. and actually my, this was so interesting. Dylan's friend went to Europe a few months ago and he was saying how um, everyone in Europe, everyone in Canada and the U.S., the first thing you ask people is like, oh, what do you do? Or like when you're introducing yourself, you're like, oh, I'm Jas, I'm a nutritionist. But in Europe, it's the last thing people ask you. Like they're like, they're not interested in your work life or your hustle. They're interested in like your hobbies. And I just, I just love, I love Europe. I think we could learn so much from the culture. Yeah. yeah. I really want to go. <laughs> Have you been to Europe? No, uh-huh. I've never been. You have to go. Yeah. It will change your life. <laughs> I want to go now while I'm like young and single and like have no <laughs> commitment. Honestly, do it. Eat, pray, love. That would be like yes. so amazing <laughs> for you to do. And it's like Europe can be really affordable. Like you just have to like look for pricing and, you know, Airbnbs, hostels, even in Europe. I haven't stayed in one yet, but I would be so open to it because it's like the best place to meet people and they're so safe in comparison to some in Canada and the US, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a concern with the US. Nothing is safe. Like, I don't feel safe going anywhere. Really? Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. And like Canada too, like, it's just different worlds. (laughs) Crazy. 
Okay, next myth is fresh fruit is better than frozen. So I'm excited really to hear your like, thoughts. Yeah, so I really like frozen fruit because whenever I buy fresh fruit, it's moldy. And I'd much rather have like a fresh fruit that's not moldy than have – or a frozen fruit that's not moldy than fresh fruit that is. But also most frozen fruit is flash frozen. So as soon as they get it off of the nursery or the the garden or whatever the they call it. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, they freeze it, and then it holds on to so many more nutrients. I think both are really good options, honestly, but I like buying frozen just because it's cheaper and it's not going to go bad as quickly Mm -hmm. as fresh fruit would. So that's my thoughts. What are yours? Love it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that I like fresh better, like in terms of like flavor and stuff, and just – the convenience and everything. Um, but you also have to consider the transit time. Like, so from when fruit is picked to then picked up to then transported to then brought to the back of the grocery store to then brought to the shelves, like that could be like five days or however long it is longer potentially. Um, so I think it like really denatures its value. And I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard this from someone um, that fruit, like as soon as it hits the freezer or the or sorry, the fridge, it starts to denature by like 30% every single day, which is mm-hmm. crazy. So I think buying frozen, the quality is there. Like it's pure quality as long as you're not buying, like as long as you're buying the right one. So yeah, yeah I definitely agree with you. I didn't know that. I know like, I know with like apples, if you put them in the fridge, they'll like everything else in your fridge will go bad quicker if you have apples in the fridge. What? I didn't know that. Yeah. There's some chemical in the apple that it releases into the air in the fridge. No way. That when it's around everything else. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever heard that. I should take the apples out of my fridge now. (laughs) I like cold apples better though, so I just put them in anyways. Oh my gosh. Wow. I had no idea. That's, That's actually really cool to know. Yeah. And you can okay, put cool. that's definitely a highlight from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you can put apples with your potatoes to so that they won't start producing eyes. Love that. That's so cool. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I agree. I'm glad that we both feel the same about that too, because that's like a huge myth that I think a lot of people, rightfully so, because there is an education, um, think that fresh fruit is better. But yeah, you know, like you're spending a lot of money on produce. If you can mm-hmm. buy frozen, you are increasing the nutrient capacity of it and saving money, which in today's world is so important. Yes. I know. But this was so fun. I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, let us know. And if you'd like us to do more of these types of episodes, I think we're both really into it. I think it'd be yes. really fun. So yeah thank you for having me on and thanks for coming on to my podcast (laughs) and yeah we'll see we'll talk to you guys later so yeah thank you for having me on your podcast and then for coming on to mine I love this I would definitely love to do it monthly and like find the trends that are coming out and then talk about them especially if like our audiences find it helpful so you guys have to let us know if you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more of them but we're going to link our Instagram and our websites and our ebooks and things like that in the show notes below so that you guys can find us there as well as each other's podcasts in case you want to listen to both of them. But thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for coming on and having me. Thanks so much for having me.